Okay, well, thank you for the invitation to be here. I was asked to speak about, um, I suppose, more of my experience about working with trade unions in the uh, European Parliament. So some of what I say will be very much a sort of personal uh, reflection. And I'm well aware that there are people here who have many years of experience also of you know, working at that level or sort of on particular of the issues that we've, we touch on while we're, we're there. And I think if I think back to sort of when I was first elected in 1999 and was on the Employment and Social Affairs Committee, um, one of my first surprises there was meeting somebody from the European People's Party, the centre-right um, party in the Parliament, who was the coordinator for his political group, so as it were, the member of the, the committee's executive, um, who happened to have had a long uh, history in the Netherlands as a trades unionist. And this was a real surprise to me that somebody coming from the centre-right was somebody who was there to defend the rights of trades unions because that hadn't necessarily been the image I think that I carried with me from um, the UK, which you know was a different political system, um, a different electoral system, so also therefore a different way in sense of, of decision making, and perceptions about you, you know being almost as it were in, in perpetual struggle to ensure the the rights of people within the workplace and indeed more generally in society. So. You know, the, the issue about sort of always referring uh, at European level to the concept of social partners, the value of that within negotiations, that issue about cooperation. I mean, you know, I'm not making it sound rosy. We all know it's not sort of wonderful and path strewn with, um, you know, flowers ahead of you. But that, that was obviously an extremely strong um, part of the way of political thinking of a number of members of the, the parliament coming from different political groups and different countries. And I think what we're seeing at the moment is something where, you, you, you know, we now have a much greater variety of, of histories in terms of relationships between um, workers and employers, and that that is now bringing, I think, some of its own sort of different tensions within to the, uh, the sort of the discussions that we have, the way in which parliament works, potentially, I think, the way the trades union movement works, but others will speak more on that, and the way in which, therefore, you know, if you're looking now at the commission, the role of the commission in terms of um, legislative proposals, or indeed national governments, you're seeing something very different, I think, to, to what it was when I was first elected. And of course, we're well aware that um, the social partners, there are treaty obligations for the annual tripartite summit between um, you know, governments, uh, social partners. We know that, there are the, that, this is, that the relationship with social partners within the European Union structures, they have a formal and a legal basis in a way that civil society has only really acquired um, much more recently. And that this is a different um, way of engagement and therefore you know, is built in, I think, much more to the way in which we work, certainly within the European Parliament. That within the Employment and Social Affairs Committee, if we're looking at a particular issue which is now on the agenda or one that we want to put on the agenda, it's absolutely automatic for us that we will have representation from the social partners who will be presenting their perspectives in the committee before we go for additional um, expertise, different perspectives, whether that's national civil society or whatever else it is that it's there not only, if you like, for the legislative side of things, where 
you know, one of the dossiers, for example, I've worked on a lot in the past, and who knows, may do again, the Working Time Directive. Um, However, in moments, pause for quite where we are with that. But you, you know, not only that sort of that hard legislative side of things, but also increasingly in terms of, if you like, policy direction. So whether that's within the, the now the annual growth survey, the semester process with national governments, you, you know, working sort of with the Commission in theory at least about you know how to develop um, economies, how to work towards, uh, we would argue, sort of decent employment conditions and in a job-rich recovery, um, that, you know, that is also part of where we will be keen that we will be working with, um, certainly trades unions on that. And also, of course, the refit agenda, so-called refit agenda, the whole sort of fitness testing of the quality of legislation, is it doing what it should be doing, um, this sort of blind enthusiasm of some to try and automatically remove legislation as if, you know, somehow the percentage of legislation that you remove actually is a measure of quality rather than anything than a measure of numbers. And the, the, one of the battles that we have ongoing at the moment is the whole issue about, um, you know, that it, I mean, we've got it going on in the current campaign here, the idea that somehow regulation is automatically a barrier to peace, love, harmony um, in the world, rather than actually being something which is a safeguard, which sets <coughs> standards, which is extremely important. And the idea that somehow, you know, that because you have regulation, legislation at the European Union level, you can do without it at the national level is just plainly ridiculous, but doesn't appear to be so, it seems to me, in much of the discussions that are going on at the moment. So, of course, that, you know, with the Employment Committee, we would obviously be the place where we would be listening to trades unions, um, listening to certainly some of the bodies that represent industry. But, of course, it's not just the Employment and Social Affairs Committee. As people here will know, it's now in the Economics Committee in terms of regulation, uh, whether it's regulation of banking, regulation of the insurance industry, all of these other things which obviously have an impact in terms of corporate power, whether it's there within the... Um, Trade, uh, the um, industry and energy committee, where again very big decisions are being taken in line, sort of with the energy union, for example, and where that takes us, what that means for jobs, quality of jobs, and of course in the international trade committee, where we're looking now at trade agreements with whether it's Canada, or the United States, or various other places. And of course, within the way in which we work within the European Union, no single group has a majority when it comes to legislation or indeed resolutions on the direction of the Parliament. And therefore, one of the things that the ETUC and other trades unions will do, obviously at the European Parliament level, is that it isn't just a question of working with the socialist group and assuming that this is actually going to get you what you want, that it is necessary to work with other groups at the moment. Obviously, the, um, the United Left is very important in the Parliament. It's a bigger group than it was. The chair of the Employment Committee comes from the United Left, working with the Greens, that obviously we have an influence within the Parliament, slightly less than in the previous one, but also increasingly as well with the European People's Party, because if you want a majority, you have this grand coalition at the moment put together in order to try and sideline the populist and racist right. Um, and therefore, if you don't have some degree of support from the European People's Party group, that you, you know you can have wonderful sort of 
ideas on paper, but they're never going to make it through any further. And of course, there are the other structures as well, which particularly the um, ETUC works with us in the trades union intergroup, all-party group that we have, and that the bureau of that, well, it's a sort of you know, enlarged bureau, enlarged executive meeting with the parliament on a regular basis on legislation that's going through or particular proposals, where there will be a meeting there of the um, particular part of the trade union movement that's particularly concerned and the person in the European Parliament responsible for taking that report through and the people from the other political groups, most political groups. I mean, there's one, of course, that we don't work with, the... Um, uh, European nation, uh, Nations and Freedoms, I, I have another name for it, um, which may be more accurate, but is not its correct title, um, which contains Front National. Um, so, you, you know, the, there is those sort of meetings to look at what are the issues that are coming up, what are the attitudes of the different political parties, how can we work together within that? And it's not only a question of what's happening, I think, within the formal side, as I say, of the European Union, that increasingly there's a lot of work going on about how we work together on the idea of social Europe. What are we going to do with the proposals that the Commission is currently consulting on on the social pillar? You know, how can we actually strengthen that and to work to have something in the European Union where we're not seeing this primacy of the economy that has actually wrecked collective bargaining rights in so many countries, that is actually putting a down pressure on wages through wrecking collective bargaining rights in a number of countries, particularly the so-called programme countries that have been under particular sort of economic pressure and bailout measures. But it's also, I think, outside the European Union too, has been, I think, of a growing importance that certain of the trading relationships that we have, general system of preferences, for example, with Pakistan, um, which we did have with Sri Lanka, you know, where we're looking at this is a trade agreement that you get on the basis of ratifying 27 agreements, a number of which are ILO conventions. How are you actually going to make those work in those countries to actually improve the working lives, the working conditions and the pay of people within countries within GSP Plus? And one of the issues that I've been particularly active on, because I chair Parliament's delegation for relations with six of the countries from South Asia, has been the ready-made garment sector after, um, you know, collapse of the Tazarine um, factory Rana Plaza and what has been happening there. And that's been something where we're seeing trades unions from the European Union working very, very closely with the growth and development of the trades union movement in there, particularly in Bangladesh, to actually try and ensure that, that it's not just about the rights of workers in the European Union, but also those outside the European Union. And just to say sort of that in terms of why is it so important from the perspective of many of us in the Parliament that we have an active and ongoing relationship and sort of policy discussion, tabling amendments with the trades union movement or whatever, it's obvious the enormous experience that was brought to us, the different perspective, that issue about that this is not just a European Union that should be about corporations, if anything, it's about people, it's about the environment. Um, the research which comes from the European Trades Union Institute is also of real value to us so that we can actually put sort of nuts and bolts and, you know, into the arguments that we're putting. And of course, because the trades union movement is an important part of the democracy of any country within the European Union and should be within the European Union itself. But obviously there are differences that we have on particular issues. You wouldn't expect political parties to all be singing from the same hymn sheet. 
But I do think that one of the issues that's there most strongly sort of within the referendum campaign, coming from my perspective, the Green Party is campaigning for in. Um, within this, um, and that's a change in our position over the years, is because we think that if you actually want to tackle a lot of the issues about inequality, um, about how we transition to a new sort of form of economy, one which works much more with, with the planet. If we look at, you know, any sort, of where, any sort of real resistance to corporate power is going to come from, the European Union has to be part of that. And the battle is on for that. And therefore, you know, from our perspective, we want to be in on that battle because we think we're stronger there than we are um, back alone, sort of, as it were, within the UK. I mean, obviously, I can talk about some of the specific dossiers and so on, but I'm aware of time. So that's more of a general sort of introduction about why the trades union movement, I think, is absolutely crucial in the policy formulation, in the legislation, in the protection that is out there, not just within the European Union, but increasingly on an international level there. Thank you very much, Judy. Thank you.